0: Hey, this is Darcy Rowling, and welcome to the Women 17 podcast, Conversations with Global Women Changing the World, One Sustainable Development Goal at a Time. In each fortnightly interview, we'll learn about these women's journeys, challenges, successes, which SDGs their work contributes to both globally and locally, as well as hear tips on how our listeners can participate in the advancement of the Sustainable Development Goals. Hi, listeners. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Rhianne Sherrington, founder of the International Women in Sustainability Network, also known as WINS, a powerful collective of women changing the world. Welcome, Rianne.
1: Hello. Lovely to be here.
0: Oh, wonderful to have you. I'm really happy that you're with us here today. Um, before we get started um, and, and talking about wins, and um, I'd really love to share with our listeners a little bit about your good self. Um, Rianne has a, a BA from Oxford in geography, a master's in environmental management from the University of Stirling, as well as several coaching and learning and development certificates. Um, Rianne is an award winning author. She coaches women to flourish in impactful careers alongside balanced, soulful life. And she sits on the advisory board for Catalyze Change, which is a social enterprise working to inspire and equip girls and young women to be the next generation of change leaders. Um, and in fact, if you've been listening to my podcast um, for a long time, you would um, recall that I did interview Tracy Lewis, who is the founder of Catalyze Change uh, last year. Um, Rian also serves, um, excuse me, also delivers mentor Training and leadership programs for organizations interested in people, planet, and purpose. Rianne resides in Swansea, Wales, and I'm really thrilled thrilled to have you here today. Um, Actually, I used to live in Wales too. (laughs) Uh, That'll have that's another podcast. (laughs) I used to know how to say the longest town in Wales. Um, That was a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I'll ask you to do that if you know. No, no, no. Okay. Oh, I used to know. Had a lot of free time on. My hands to memorize that. So, um, so Rianne, um, as always, I really like to begin um, uh, these podcast conversations with education. I think it's really nice for people to sort of see um, a, a woman's trajectory and you know h- how their career has um, uh, sort of shaped where they are today. So, um, so as I shared in, in the intro, um, your degree is from Oxford in geography. So. Um, Really love to know, like, how did you make your way into this field of study? And, and was there something potentially in your life that sort of sparked this interest?
1: Mm, thanks, Nancy. Um, I think I've always been one of those children that was all, always quite interested in the world. Um, I think having a geography teacher as a mother definitely had some influence. Although I have to say, I almost did go and read history at Oxford. It was a close thing because I had this incredibly inspiring history teacher who taught us at A-level as if we were already at university. So you would take notes. It was very um, fruitful conversations, very inspiring. But in the end, I reflected that actually it was all about making that or understanding about how the world worked. And, and I was quite aware that geography, you know, you could go so many different places. And at that stage at 17, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So keeping my options open was really important to me. And I was quite attracted to the Oxford course because there's a lovely balance between the human and the physical side. Um, and again, that was that was very important about keeping my options open, but then studying something that I just found fascinating. So that's why I pursued that, that geography. Uh, course, Much to my mother's, you know, delight, I should oh. say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. That's great. Yeah, that's really good. And I think it's interesting. I have, um, we have listeners that are younger um, or mid-career and, and and latter part of their career. So I think this is really interesting, particularly for our younger listeners to listen to um, on how you, you know, how you selected and chose um, geography. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a great, uh, I, I always loved it also. I When I was a kid, I said this on other podcasts, um, but when I was a kid, my dad, Dad told me that uh, I could dig a hole and get to China uh, for dinner. <laughs> so um, that didn't yeah. happen, um, but that yeah. sparked my interest in China, and I end up getting there yeah. ten, year, ten years later. But yeah, yeah I've always <laughs> loved geography. Also, uh, yeah. It's, um, I mean, I
1: was I was because I was very privileged as though I was born out in Hong Kong, and my te- my parents were teachers out there. And um, on the way back, we visited uh, Sri Lanka, Kenya, um, Tasmania, and I think when you've been, I was so little, I was only five, but that definitely planted seeds, you know, that there's a really huge world out there and some amazing places and people. So yeah, it all it all sort of filters into the subconscious somehow, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I think, and that's a really good point. Um, I think it's interesting because, um I'm, you know, I'm American and, you know, we're, we're kind of on our own. We've got Canada. We have, we have uh, Mexico. So, but we're, you know, we're all on our own. We don't have all of those other um, countries that are just a hop, skip and a jump. I mean, many of my friends here in France, they, oh, I've been holidaying here since I was a kid, or we've been here to Germany or wherever. And like you, you know, you, you know, you're born in a location and traveled around. And this was something that. Most I'm going to I'm just making a generalization, but most Americans don't really understand geography that much because we don't you know, we're just looking at our own country because we're kind Mm. of isolated, if you like. So, Mm. um, yeah. Anyway, this isn't a conversation about American education (laughs) system. So so then you after you finish your um, your B.A., you you got a master's in environmental management. So Mm. how did how did that transpire? How did you find um, yourself in that field of study?
1: I think I could have gone so many different directions towards the end of my geography degree, I did a couple of expeditions Royal Royal geographical expedition Oxford University expedition to northeast to northern Pakistan, I had gone to Greenland um, twice. Um, And I was actually really signed up to do a PhD at the Royal Holloway, uh, all about uh, glaciation and the Tibetan Ice Sheet Retreat. Um, But my sponsor at Royal Holloway didn't get the funding. So I was at this point, I'd come back from this expedition in Pakistan, done all this work, there was no PhD. And it was a a stopping point. And I just reflected. And I was like, actually, I maybe I'm not cut out to do a PhD. I'm not sure that academic roots me but i really care about the planet and i even then it was a long time ago 19 uh 1991 was aware of global warming and i was like actually i i want to do something to to this environmental that's all about protecting the planet um and so would you believe at that point there wasn't that many sustainable development environmental type of masters and i knew i needed to focus because the beauty of geography is that it keeps you very wide, but then as you start to want to go into the work environment, you have mm. to start to focus in. Um, so that's why I thought the MSC would be uh, a good thing for me. I also as a master of science, um, bringing together lots of different interests. So, and the university of is certainly offered a brilliant master's course in environmental management and also got me back to the mountains. Cause I have to say, I've always followed my heart and, and I always have looked to combine what do I love? and where do i want to be with what am i actually doing so to get into scotland have a, i thought a year a year in scotland to walk in the highlands that'll do me.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, that's great. Oh, and I love that little bit of advice too. I mean, or that you follow your heart and where you mm-hmm. want to live. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a big consideration. I mm-hmm. think, you know, in any, you know, whether it's a job or your own education, you know, do I want to live in a big city? Do I, mm-hmm. am I, you know, is it really important for me to be mm-hmm. outdoors and be near the mm-hmm. mountains, like you said, and be able to to have access to that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, So, um, so thank you for sharing uh, that. So um, at the beginning of your career, um, you worked um, in, as a geography field studies tutor um, and then you co-founded a company called Echo Ventures and mm. you took young people on exped- on expeditions um, including Ecuador and to the Isle of De La Plata, did I say that right? De Isla,
1: Isla, Isla De La Plata which Ooh. is, they call it the poor man's Galapagos because it's uh. off the coast of Ecuador and it's a bit cheaper to get to if you can't get to the Galapagos but you get to see a lot of the whales and amazing blue-footed boobies, frigates birds so it has a phenomenal uh environment you know amazing a natural environment and so yeah we took some some students over there uh on our first expedition
0: yeah well t- thank you thanks for that <laughs> i never heard of it but i'm going to be getting out my my map and take a look at the geography there um so you did some conservation work there on um, as general exploration in in the cloud rainforest so tell us a bit about that in, in you know these uh, expeditions it sounds fantastic
1: I think, yeah, I loved. I mean, when I look back at my early to mid 20s, I was, I did expeditions. That is what I did. I put myself into sometimes quite challenging physical environments. And maybe I was trying to prove something to myself. I don't know. But I thoroughly enjoyed being in that kind of challenging environment. And Um, after I'd done all my expeditions at Oxford and um, came to to Pakistan and so on I I don't know I felt that there was more I could do and so I was quite keen to see if I could organize my own and so I put together with a friend Eco Ventures, and you know this was this was before the internet was huge so I was you know sending these uh, having to get these emails translated by a translator into Spanish to send off to Quito University to find partners and so on so it was quite a it was really good for me. And I think this all came about because I wasn't being very challenged as in my job as a field studies tutor. I, again, was living down in North Devon, loved it. I loved the being by the sea, learning to surf, but academically, intellectually, I was not being stretched at all. So this gave me an opportunity to do something. And I thought, you know, and I guess maybe even then I knew I was an entrepreneur. I, I, I liked that idea of having my own business. And taking those, that group of young people off, doing this expedition, we had some crazy things go wrong. Uh, some people got very ill. You know, I learned uh, somebody got stung by a stingray. You know, I, I did, I got, I had to sort things out. And I think there's something about being put into those positions where you have to rely on yourself and other people are relying on you, did a huge thing for my confidence. And it really built up that self um, self-efficacy. Uh, which I think I needed. I think I really needed. I'm I'm a I'm a twin, and I've got my twin sister is a, a consultant psychiatrist, and she knew she wanted to be a doctor from the word go and very confident. And I think I always was a little bit behind that. And so all of this sort of doing these expeditions, doing you know, it helped me find my own way and realize I, I could do things my way. It's slightly different, not like everybody else, really, but I thoroughly enjoyed the whole experience. But I did get to that point where I was like, Well, I can't make this business fly. It's never going to make any money. I've reached the end of my road doing field studies. What do I do now? You know, so I think I probably had five career changes in my life. This one now is a keeper. But at that point, you know, I enjoyed doing it. But I could see yeah, there's no money in expeditions. Mm. It it was it was time to stop and and rethink again. What, What was I going to do? Yeah. Oh, I
0: love that. And, you know, like you said, I mean, just such a great way to sort of, I mean, you're, you're it. I mean, I, I did, um, um, I led some tours or co-led some tours into China and this was in the late eighties. So just around the time, um, uh, I think, yeah, we, well, you were mentioning like the internet coming. So the internet was mm. just coming on board around that time also. Well, a little bit earlier than, a little bit later than that. Mm. Um, but we led some tours and, you know, I, I, well understand. I mean, these were adults. I know, were they, were they, um, were they students that you were with or what was the age group?
1: 16 was the youngest girl, okay. um, and to about 24. So a nice range.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was with adults. So um, while they were easier, they were also more challenging to manage because everybody wanted to go left or right or whatever and had different ideas and as such. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's a big responsibility. You've got kids, you know, kids really, that um, you know, are looking to you and how's your, how's your Spanish?
1: <laughs> well, I did I I did I put myself through a bit of a night school to pick up the Spanish and I was okay. I you know, I could order, I could get a serve, I could Book some accommodation, but I, and we did have um, some great support from Quito University, and, and one of the women, that, that 24-year-old actually had some good Spanish, but I did have some very embarrassing moments when we went out to Reiki, where we were going to go, and I remember practicing my Spanish on this chap for this hostel, and he burst out laughing, and I'm not sure I can use this word, but um, mm-hmm. I basically had said to him, could I, hello Mr Ice Cream Head, could I bring 12 expletive to your hotel please. (laughs) and he just yeah 12 12 Uh, so um yeah so I think I I I was all right I did that did um but I think again you know it's just about giving it a go isn't it and I was you know I was quite willing to give it a go and see what happened but I do sometimes look back on that and go you didn't even you weren't fluent in Spanish me and what were you doing But it was good. And we all had a very good time and did some great conservation work, great research on the frigate birds and blue-footed boobies and experienced a mini earthquake and, you know, all these things that just don't happen. We had humpback whales coming out of the boat right next to us, health and safety nightmare. But, you know, it was.
0: It <laughs> what was, was health and safety at that time? Oh, exactly. Was that even a thing?
1: <laughs> no, no. Uh, and, and you just had, exactly, exactly. And and you. I look back on that and go, Gosh, those humpback wells were really close to the boat, and we, yeah. we, you know, if anything had happened, and I remember when we would suddenly have this message come through. There's a little German research station on this island, and I was in this hammock, and all of a sudden, one of the girls came rushing outside and said, "There's been a, there's been, there's going to be a tidal wave. There's been an earthquake. What should we do?" And my partner was over on the mainland getting some more supplies, and I was like, "Well." fishermen don't look very worried um should we pack up a rucksack I mean I had no idea what to do you know I was just watching closely and seeing what everybody else was going to do around me because they were far you know the local fishermen were on the beach well they're not they're not rushing so I'm Mm. gonna assume we're okay and we were were good
0: yeah 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 that's good yeah it sounds absolutely extraordinary and what a wonderful um wonderful opportunity and a a good way to you know push yourself, challenge yourself, mm-hmm. give yourself confidence and, and do some interesting work. Well, that is just absolutely fascinating what you've just shared with us. I, I wish I would have had the opportunity to go on one of your expeditions. Uh, that sounds just amazing. Um, and great opportunity for you to, to learn, build your confidence and, you know, feel what was, what was right for you, um, and do some interesting research at the same time. Sounds really, really wonderful and improve your Spanish too. So, <laughs> Um, so I love how you just took a night class and learned Spanish. I mean, I've been I've uh, in France for seven years and it's pathetic. So maybe I should just go to night class. <laughs> um, so in 2000, you moved to Bristol um, where you worked for an organization called Sustrans. Uh, it's a UK charity whose um, their community-based mission is to promote livable neighborhoods by encouraging walking and cycling um, through robust evidence. So tell us a little bit about um, um, the work that you did there and a little bit about the organization.
1: Sure. Well, I joined uh, Sustrans to take over, look after their um, Safe Routes to Schools project. I had just turned 30 and I was, you know, I knew I had to move on. And so um, looking at the map, uh, you know, Bristol was about as f- far north as I wanted to go. And the project itself looked really interesting because all the time I'd spent with young people, I felt very passionate about their opportunities and, their freedoms and this the dominance of, 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 of cars basically on their lives, you know, the kids who were coming to where I was working, um, they'd never walked anywhere, it was alien for them to be out anywhere. So this seemed like a really good project uh, for me to get involved with. And I'd done a lot of uh, soul searching um, coming up to my 30th birthday, Where to, where to next? um and this seemed to bring together my strengths of organizing people I had to organize lots of events had to you know do a lot of project work setting up these projects with schools and sort of working with those local school communities understanding their challenges and and it and then it was all about enabling them to set up these 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 um these plans so sometimes it was working with the local authority to to designate a safe route to school and then but it, a lot of it was all about behavior change so that was at the heart of the program how do we support people to change behavior and that was my beginnings I I guess of, of becoming a behavior change specialist around sustainable travel and whilst I started in schools by the time I sort of left Australia sort of 12 years later I had progressed and moved up and I was looking after all of the behavior change programs in schools communities and workplaces and learned a lot about you know what does it take for people to adopt more sustainable behaviors Uh, looking at actually what is quite a difficult journey I think it's quite an emotive journey whether or not children can walk or cycle to school it triggers a lot of fear in parents it's got a lot of physical challenges around you know how would you create a safe route what is a safe route but I really enjoyed my time there and thoroughly enjoyed working for a charity with such which had this match to my values because I, I I would say you know this is what I started to realize that you're you're only going to be so happy in your career if you find that match with your values and and this is the work I'd been doing on myself understanding what my values were what were my strengths and how could i align what i was doing to earn money to bring these things together and i think that's what really you know helped me that that internal journey you know that the, the difficult reflection times um that made me realize that these kind of projects were you know at the time perfect for me because I could bring bring all sorts of different things together I met my husband at Sustrans so that was very nice thank you very much Sustrans um <laughs> and then we eventually Ooh. moved on I know uh because he he really wanted to get do a master's and mm-hmm. so that created an, an opportunity for me actually because I was getting a little bit bored at that point um where to next uh, a bit like him and uh, wasn't that at that point, wasn't much opportunity to progress. But um, because this uh, master was up in Edinburgh, I I said, well, go for it, you know, go for it, we'll make it work somehow. And it just so happened that the um, UK government was setting up this sustainable school travel strategy. And they approached me and said, would I become an advisor for the local authorities in the Northeast of England uh, to help them deliver on this project? and that, that was it then, that enabled me to move to Edinburgh, ironically, but uh, spent a lot of time on the train. <laughs> but we, that enabled me to work part-time for them and part-time for Sustrans and gave me that next hmm. leg up. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's it. that that was our shift up there. And then I we got married and I had our son, uh, our yep. first son. So um, I didn't really want to go back to the government work, but I did, did stay part-time for Sustrans for a few more years.
0: Yeah, well, very interesting. And, you know, I mean, now, I mean, it seems like... that role was ahead of its time in many mm. respects, because you'd see this is, you know, cities are now doing that, you know, Paris is one of them, you I mean, trying to make, you mm. know, it all cycling and biking. And I mean, I know that's not exactly what you're talking about, because you're talking about children and not, not just, mm. you know, everyone, but, you know, I, I, it just reminds me when I was a kid. So I lived um I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's a very hilly place. Mm. And I lived on a street called Summit Drive so that means it's at the top (laughs) so and there were no sidewalks Mm -hmm. at all um no no actually none none maybe just outside of the school and then they stopped and so you were walking in walking in the street and when I grew up it was a latchkey child kind of thing you know and Mm -hmm. it was a different time it was completely different time but um you know in these days you know the kids you know To your point, I mean, you know, parents are driving them and, um, you know, for me and for us, I mean, where we live now, the kids have always been able to uh, walk, take the bus, ride their bikes. And that was really important to us uh, because I did not want to be in the car driving them. And, you know, I I probably sounded like, you know, you know, like your great, great grandparents, you know, when I was a kid, you know, and it's true. I mean, it was snowing, raining. I was walking you know, up, some, up to some drive, uh, you know, carrying everything. So that was yeah. not a pleasant experience for me. Yeah. So, um, so that sounds it really, sounds really interesting work that you did. Um, and I know that, you know, sort of after you worked at Sustrans, your career sort of began to focus a lot more Mm-hmm. Um, on coaching and training, um, mm-hmm. as you were an educational consultant and a course tutor for Oxford's uh, Master's of Science in Sustainable Urban Development program, um, you were a coach for um, for climate-focused, purpose-led individuals and organizations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you designed and delivered uh, a women in leadership online course um, at Oxford Said Business School. So there's a lot. I mean, you, <laughs> there's a lot. Um, and don't tell me you did all this by the time you were 31, because no. I'm just going to fall off my chair. So <laughs> you had, you had epiphanies at a very young age. I think at 30, I was still trying to decide what to wear. You know, I had no idea how to align my values with what I was doing. It was just whatever looked good. So <laughs> Uh, so still trying to figure that out. So, um, so there, there is a lot to unpack about your, you know, um, with all of your experience as a coach, trainer, program mm-hmm. designer. So I wonder if you could, um, uh, wonder at what point did you start to see sort of this convergence of education, your, your education, environmental management, um, with these other functions and was your journey purposeful, um, and planned or did it, um, organically sort of present itself to you?
1: hmm so i think um, the more work i did around behavior change looking at what is it we could do to encourage people to adopt lifestyles that wasn't going to destroy our planet the more i think i saw how deeply unhappy people were and and i could see that some of their choices were because they felt quite empty inside so this sort of consumerism the capitalism, you know, the buying things because everybody else has got them, the choices they were making. It seemed to be coming from this place of emptiness, actually. And I got very interested in what is it that makes people flourish? And I became very interested in the human side. So I've really moved across, you know, I started being very interested in the physical environment. And then I sort of moved into this human environment with my work with, with Sustrans. And uh, will it pass a blend? And then it started to go right. What, well, what's the what's the what's the psychology here? You know, we, we, you know what's what makes people tick, which I found really fascinating having my twin sister over. I was just gonna marriage, right? yeah i was just gonna <laughs> <Yeah>. say that <laughs> we really have come together in our interests as we've got older yeah and and that's when i realized actually the best conversations where you were trying to sort of explore with somebody would they adopt uh, a more um healthier happier greener choice of uh, you know in terms of what they were how they were living their lives it came from coaching it came from having this approach where you were encouraging them to come up with their own revelations and ideas and that you you can't tell anybody what to do. (laughs) You know, you can't do that. Um and so coaching kind of found me. I had my epiphany sort of going to this coaching weekend and went, oh wow, this is the profession. This is it. Because I've always wanted to be something like to have a title Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not senior program director or you know it was like I wanted to be something. And, And I think that's when I realized actually a coach, being a coach, having that profession behind me would be really was something I had to do. And so, but I think one thing I think I I would I definitely sort of well I don't advise I'm a coach, but something I'm quite alert to is I think I left I had drifted a little bit, Um, having children. I have got my son now, my daughter. And, you know, you get caught up in doing things just because it's the easy thing to do. And it was complicated. It's busy being a mum and trying to maintain this work. But I realized I'd become quite unhappy. Uh, I got quite senior in Sustrans, but I wasn't, there wasn't many women around me. uh, And it was quite an interesting environment being in a transport field And so I got quite sort of, uh, I got very fed up. So I resigned. I remember having this conversation with my husband in tears on the sofa going, I can't do this anymore. I have to leave. And it was incredibly supportive, but it wasn't brilliant, you know, just going from two salaries down to one salary whilst I finished off my coaching training and started to rebuild a completely different career. And it was painful financially and put a lot of stress on both of us for some time, but I, you know, it's paid off. <laughs> um, but that's what I became, yeah, that internal journey with people. And 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 my first coaching business was called Choose to Flourish, because I came very interested in this place of choice. And when you find your values, when you really understand what those values are, and you know what your strengths are, you know what difference you want to be making in the world. Wow, you know, how great is that having those kind of conversations with people to bring that together for them working with them co-creating it together Mm -hmm. Um, and the work I did um it's all been responding to opportunity I I, it's not being planned (laughs) I think that was a planned choice becoming a a coach but I very much have been led by my interest uh what fascinates me what am I curious about and that's led me to do all those different things that you've Mm -hmm. you listed I'm very interested in women in leadership you know what makes a good leader um how can we see more women um we have to have this gender balance this gender parity that we we just don't have at the moment uh we're not going to tackle uh the challenges of the climate crisis without that gender parity so that's why I became involved in the 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 Saeed business school course and I think now because I have coached a lot of women i've mentored a lot of women i think i have started to understand that uh so developing that expertise now is planned you know that's conscious that's mm-hmm. a very I've, I've come to my place if that makes sense but i would say it's been a, a really curvy path with not a huge amount of planning but very much responding to opportunity and in the moment checking in is this for me no yes oh yes it is right let's go
0: mm-hmm. yeah thank you for sharing that that with us and i feel like i mean it it seems there's a a red thread through all of that. It's you know it's it, at least to me to my mind's eye and you know it, it, there is certainly you know I can see just from your education all the way through to all the roles where you where you've landed. It makes mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense to me and I think to people who you know some people have a very you know sort of straight A to B, you know, maybe perhaps your sister or some people Mm. have those kinds of, you know, some of us, it takes a a little bit more time. um, um, And actually makes us better people. I think when you, you know, you're curious and you learn a lot and you try things um, and and follow your values, as you said, and your interests and and also being comfortable with, and I'm not suggesting this is for you, but, you know, this is something I do as a coaching and um, designing your life and design thinking and failure is also part of this process where, you know, okay, well, I failed, but what did I learn? What What did I learn? How can I improve? of what's the, you know, so all of that is that learning process. Um, yeah, I think oh, it sounds great. And I, I see a red thread, so you, you've painted beautifully. <laughs> yeah, you've
1: painted. It, I think, you know, failure is really important, isn't it? You know, eco ventures was a failure. It didn't make money, but it wasn't a failure because we all learned so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, having to resign from a job when people thought, oh, you're, you're doing really well. Why aren't you staying? well, that wasn't a failure. That was recognizing you'd done your time and I wanted yeah. to a different environment. So absolutely. But yeah, you've got to allow yourself to learn, haven't you? That's, yeah. that's always been my, my, my way forward, actually.
0: Yeah, well, certainly. And certainly through, um, you you're a very well-educated woman. And so you, and you're, you know, you're seeking, always seeking to develop yourself. Mm. Um, you know, I, I do meet a lot of women who are in the same profession and they don't know how to make that, that leap. And I, I feel mm. very strongly that education, I mean, we all know this education is the key to getting people out of poverty and, mm. you know, you know, in, in increasing gender parity and all kinds of things. Education mm. is for me, least. Um, I think it's the source of everything. And if we can make sure that people are well educated, then, um, well, I don't know. And more women in sustainability, which is what we're going to talk about now. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen all these memes coming around about women being in these leadership positions. And if women were in leadership positions, what a better world this would be. And I would have Mm. to probably agree with that a lot <laughs> um so um so i'd like to shift gears now um and talk about which what this um I, you had said you had like five different careers i guess this is this is number 5 or four and a half or five
1: yeah
0: <laughs> five and this is where where we are and where you see yourself sort of this synthesis and confluence of all of your mm. your life's experiences and education um so you started as i said at the beginning um the WINS, which is the women in sustainability network so mm. i would just love to to ask you know you know why did you set it up what made you think about it you know <laughs> yes. and what's the mission like where did this yeah. epif- epiphany come from, um and then sort of how did you um how did you
1: kickstart it, okay great questions so um yeah so I was working as a coach starting to look back to see how I could support the women. In the environmental sector, and I started to network as you have to do when you own your Ooh. Own business. Oh. <laughs> I love like, networking. I do you like networking? Well, I do in my network. <laughs> okay, there. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started to have these interesting experiences being in these environments. So I was thinking, like, these aren't my people. This is not my tribe. And then I just came across a women only business networking group, and, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, it was incredibly refreshing because I was surrounded by women and there was listening going on and there was vulnerability and there was trying to help one another in a really sort of non-egotistical arrogant way and and it was brilliant but the only problem was it wasn't my tribe they they didn't share my values they didn't Mm -hmm. really really it was lip service to the planet and the environment and and I got a little bit frustrated and I just had a mentor I was working with at the time uh, on the business side of things and he just kind of it out there and said well why don't you just see if there's there's your own little group that you could set up so i did a series of conversations i talked to about 10 women just to sort of get a sense of what their challenges were what were they interested in and it really struck me that whilst coaching one-on-one does some powerful work when you put women together in a group you get this peer support you get this psychological safety and I thought, wow, I, I wonder. So again, it was like this, I wonder. So I put out this invitation. Does anybody like to come and discuss whether or not they'd like to be part of a women's only group with like-minded women who are trying to create a happier, greener, healthier world? And I had about 80 women come to that first conversation. So you said 80. Eight 80. Zero. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, we only
0: have chairs for eight. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I need a few, I need I need a few more biscuits. Um, so that was that was great, uh, slightly terrifying, but it was great. But it was again, it was a interesting, we had a, a I had a bit of a false start. I had a, a, that was great, but I had decided a little bit on the fly that I didn't want to do this on my own. So I'd invited this other person to come in and help me. But that partnership uh, did not work in the end. Um, Hard to put a finger on it, we're still friends, but it didn't quite work out. And so we had to, so we ran for about a year doing these sort of monthly meetups in Bristol, taking what I'd say a coaching led approach. So really facilitating the conversation, picking up topics that the women had told us when we, we did a quick survey, you know, what is it? What are the issues you'd like to come together to explore as a group of women? behind the scenes I was working incredibly hard but I couldn't get any traction and in the end I had to uh dissolve that partnership lick my wounds a little bit but I felt that I hadn't I felt that there was something more like it's not that it didn't work it was just how it was set up wasn't working so I spent a year just going well let's just see what happens so I just ran these uh monthly um meetups and it started to gain traction you know more women would come I was starting to solidify my mind what it would look like how would you facilitate this this space and I kept on getting these calls from People in London, oh, please, could you come and do this in London? We'd love you to have this network in London. So I, I started to go to London. And then in London, this uh, fantastic coach, Talia Carr, came up to me and said, I would love to do this in Oxford. Uh, is there a way we could work together to make this happen? And then I sat, I will never forget it, because I sat on the train coming back going, oh, how am I going to do this then? And that was a real challenge, because it was like, well there's a business then here there's a business what's the business model how do i make this work and and that's how we started to i came up with a license model where you you sort of have a license agreement to to run under our banner in in your city um and put together all these resources and and talia car was my very first hub and again i went over to oxford on the train to see her deliver deliver this first event and it was so amazing but also incredibly weird you know i had been working on this for a couple of years by that point and you know when you're there and i was almost in tears going don't cry um but seeing her deliver the words and the structure and seeing this amazing response in the room you know it was a powerful moment so that's how it all came about really it was it was sort of like following my nose a little bit following my sense that i think this might work um and then you know, a lot of hard work, I have to say, a lot of hard work, um, trying to find the right partnerships, the people to host our events and so on. But I think once we started to get traction, um, that was amazing. And also I was gifted by, she won't mind me saying this, but I had an amazing arrangement with Greenhouse PR. I um, got to know the founder there, Anna Gaia, very well. And um, I was coaching them. And they were giving me their support on the social media. And that really helped. That that kind of arrangement really helped having that um, support by a very good comms agency to just to help me get the word out and and talk about what we were trying to to achieve.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. It's, um, you know, starting, there's partnerships, when partnerships work or don't work. There's, um, uh, you know, going out there and asking, what are you interested in? formulating the programming itself seeing what resonates um mm-hmm. and then it and then after the year saying well actually this isn't this isn't it this isn't the the thing that you wanted to focus on. And as you said, lick your wounds, you know, that could be that failure that we just talked about. And Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was a failure because actually you learned a lot, Mm -hmm. which made it, you know, um, which made the, the sort of the reincarnation, I guess, um, or your second, you know, second go at it. So, um, so impressive and, and as such. So, um, and then finding, you know, Talia and, and I I love that, that sort of, um, you know, that partnership working with a PR firm and because you're spot on. I mean, talk to so many women that, um, you know, have their own businesses, but the challenge often is, is how do I get the word out there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also you're not, you're not, you're building a business and you're also building partnerships. So then it's like, you know, you, how many hats can one woman wear, you know, like, you know, you know, so, you know, then you're going to, you know, okay, I got to call and see if we can have the gig at this place. And I got to call and see if I can get this speaker and yeah, it's a lot and membership and mm-hmm. plus, plus, plus. So, mm-hmm. and trying to formulate that business model. So that. That's a that, I, that seems like a lot, uh, a lot. So having at least maybe it sounds like one of those things sort of not on your plate and yeah. using experts. Um, and that's mm-hmm. probably a really good investment. I mean, for people that are are thinking about this to maybe make that investment, particularly, I think, in, in media and in social media is probably one of the things that's a pretty good one to, to do. Definitely.
1: Yeah, you do have to understand where your strengths lie, I think. And that's what I've really learned now is um, I love the coaching. So I still do my private coaching. I love the group coaching, which is what I deliver through the the membership, the digital community for women's sustainability. But I don't need to write every single blog post. I don't need to be out there on Twitter and LinkedIn and coming up with all that innovation around how to talk to people. And I'm not a processes person. So I have brought in, you know, some support through various VAs over the years to support me get my system set up. Up. um so i think yeah really understanding what you're good at and what you love and then focusing on that has been a good practical lesson for me and to and to trust other people to to do their other bits mm-hmm. and i was very inspired by there's a book called the company of one i've forgotten who wrote wrote that book now but um but you don't have to be you know this massive employer to feel that you've got a great business. And so, you know, I asking around me, the people who supported me on this journey, well, they like working for themselves. Thank you very much. They don't want to be my employee. So I've realized actually my model is to not have loads of employees to make women's sustainability fly. It's about understanding, well, who would like to have the license agreement and be part of that hub lead? Who would like to be part of the, the central team? But it's all done on a self-employed contract basis because that's how the women like to work like that. It fits in with their variety being freelance and so on mm-hmm. so yeah it's cherry picking advice uh, there's a lot of advice out there lots of guidance lots of mentors and I think that's been one of my big lessons is not to believe everybody but to be discerning and pick out what what applies to me what might work for me and that's that's come from that just sitting quietly and reflecting you know and just sort of sitting with it and ask you know is this for me will this work how could I make what's is there anything here for me in what's been shared or advised um, that's really helped me? I think find my way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love, I love that, and I mean, I, and I think particularly in this day and age, what you've just mapped out is very much how people want to work too. You know, you mentioned VA, so for our listeners, that's a virtual assistant, and mm. you know, I, you know, just knowing when you need somebody. You know, for me, it was expense reports, like a you know, or anything administrative I despise. Yeah. So yeah, I farm that out and pay good money for that. Um, mm. Even try to give it to the kids. But they weren't interested. So they're like, "I'll pay you good money for this." They're like, "Yeah, that's child labor. You shouldn't be doing that." I'm like, "I'm gonna pay you." Um, but uh, but I like I like that what you've what you've highlighted is just sort of recognizing. You know, it, it, I think that's uh, the challenge for entrepreneurs too. Is that like you know, I was joking, but like wearing all these hats, you can't be good at. All of those things, but, you know, reaching out and listening to the advice, synthesizing it through yourself, like, mm, does that resonate with me? Is this something that I that's aligned with my beliefs, aligned with my model, aligned with mm-hmm. what I'm trying to achieve, all of those kinds of things. Because yeah, you're probably getting advice left, right, and center. Um, mm-hmm. And in there, there's some gold nuggets, but you got to you gotta find those and, and what mm-hmm. resonates with you. Um, I wonder if you could share a little bit um, with our listeners about what the network does, like what does so, WINS do? So maybe give us a few examples of maybe some speakers or some events or some networking, because I dare say, um, that maybe we'll have some women listening who might be interested in opening up a hub um, in their in their um, city, so, in their town, what what have <laughs> you. So, you know, in a neighborhood near you. Um, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> okay,
1: well, I mean, so we say we are a community. We're here to help um, women um, have the confidence and the courage to lead and be a force for good. And we're coming from this from a place of, we create spaces for um women working right across the sustainability sectors delivering against all the SDGs to come and connect. So at one level, that's um, coming to our network hub events. So they've been online uh, for over COVID, but we're starting to come back in person. So we sort of op- create that opportunity to to learn together, to share and, and, and to do that. And we've supported we've sort of, we're very research led in how we do that. So we've just had a major report, uh, research report done with University of um, Newcastle. And that's available to download from our website, actually, Um, why being heard is not enough. Um, The solution to the challenges facing women in sustainability. And that report, um, you know, talks about why women, yeah, women feel they're being heard but actually they're not being listened to and they don't feel that they are being influential. So that report now, I guess, will steer our strategic direction in terms of what we'll offer in terms of network events and what we talk about. So you can just sign up and be on our newsletter list. We send out a roughly a weekly-ish uh, email sharing, good practice, lots. The focus is around personal and professional development with some innovation. We're sharing what people tell us, you know, could you share this? We don't try to be that sort of headline innovative on all the sustainability specific topics it's sort of like filling in the gaps you know so sort of coming bringing the gender lens in bringing leadership in um well-being you know how to how to, to manage yourself that, that that kind of thing is what we'd cover And then we we, lots of studying follow our LinkedIn page where we talk about all of this as well, and our our Twitter and our Instagram. And then in a more sort of intense way, we have our digital community, our our actual membership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's either a yearly subscription or or a, a a monthly subscription. And in there... There's uh, monthly peer mentoring calls. There are live sessions every month with a guest expert covering different topics that our members tell us they want to touch upon. We have group coaching calls and we've just set up a a WhatsApp based accountability huddle to help people either with maybe with career transition because they're trying to move or with a um, uh, with um, thinking about um just accountability general accountability yeah. and, and focus um so yeah so that's the sort of the main way in which people can get involved with this either just you know coming to our events and, and that's open to everybody you know you can come you don't have to be a member uh, to, to come along to one of the one of the events and we're in bristol london oxford we're starting up now in cardiff um different places coming on online and always interested in, in getting getting more hubs up and running we at the start of covid we had 10 hubs one in new york city one in frankfurt COVID did hit us, you know, it was hard. We were okay for that first year going online, but it wasn't suitable for everybody to to deliver these things online. Uh, And it, you know, it's been hard work, but I think we're regrouping and we're sort of coming back out now. So we're certainly interested in getting more of those hubs together. And that research that I mentioned, you know, there's some lovely feedback in there talking about how much um, the the women who have been involved in our our network have really appreciated what we've been creating, definitely.
0: Yeah, mm. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I um I'll I'll make sure that we add the link to the report um on my website. And um thank you. I actually attended the webinar when you released the report. Yes. So yeah, very interesting um research. And um, you know, I love how you've conducted that that will sort of drive your strategy and, and and going forward. Um and yeah, it sounds like you know, you're the the network itself, it, you know, you've got sort of that local feel to it as well mm-hmm. as something that could, you know, um uh, more global or more, you know, non-geographical based yeah. um, um, aspect to it because you've got that virtual and that community, the the, mm-hmm. the digital community, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice because um, people can connect. We have so much to learn from other mm-hmm. women all over the world, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, wonderful. Well, I'd like to um, highlight to um, to our listeners that um, WINS Network um, or the Women in Sustainability Network um, um, contributes to Sustainable Development Goal number five, which is gender equality, and actually specifically um, to target five point five, which is leadership. And of course, as you had said, you know, the women in the network they also deliver against um, all the SDGs, um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as your own programming, it, you know, you could have various mm-hmm. topics related to various SDGs. So, um, now I need to ask you a question. You, um, I, I, I said at the beginning that you are an author, so mm-hmm. I, could you share with us a little bit about your, um, uh, your book writing please <laughs> yeah, what did you think, write what did i write i <laughs> yeah. think i
1: just yeah well i've written two books so one uh, was uh, and won an award um called uh, alchemy for the mind uh create your confident core and that came from just hearing so many women in my early days as a coach talk about the lack of confidence so i wrote that book and there's a few sort of uh, guest pieces from different people i'd met on in my journey to pull together my sort of, if you like, 10 10 step plan, how, what can we do in order to create this internal sense of confidence? Uh, And so my ideas around courage come in there, you know, that, that we need to practice courage in small things um understanding our values and so on so I wrote that when my daughter was really little and I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning to write you know for a couple of hours when I look back on that I do think that was slightly nuts but I did have this real sense that I wanted to write I've always wanted to be an author and then the second book came about because I was starting to do more about transition so that book's called Choose to Flourish um how to uh to, you know how to change direction and, and, and flourish in your life uh, they're both uh, available on Amazon um, and that was again sharing what is it you need to do in order to do these career shifts having been through several myself and coached quite you know many people through that career shift um, really changing directions it, I was I wanted to put something out there and again you know it's almost like a, an introduction to what's it like to work with me as well because you can't help everybody right? coaching you know it, there's a cost in coaching but I wanted to put something out I, so yeah so that's why I did it and it's mm-hmm. out there um I was very delighted that we won I won the award uh for the first book it's not the best cover in the world <laughs> but I was quite pleased that it won an award and the other one did get to a bestseller position in Amazon uh but briefly but it did get there really? um so it was great you know and I, I think there's more books in me to come but right now I'm taking a little break but you know I think you do have to explore these things don't you and I've, I've always loved writing and I would say Through writing, I think I've become a better writer. Um, And I think that now helps me with everything I do with my blog articles and writing for women's sustainability. yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting process. So, I don't really recommend writing a book to any entrepreneurs out there. <laughs> it was, it's a good one to do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great! And congratulations
0: on the award. And actually, your next edition can change the cover. So yes. there you go. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> we'll wait for that, and I'll have the links to both of your books on Amazon. Um, also, with regards to that. So, um, so yeah, I love that, and um, and you know, I I like how you how you linked it your, your second book, linking it to what you you're promoting in your own coaching. And it's, you know, it's, it's your, you know, it, you know, sometimes books try to be everything to everyone. And I think yeah, like, it sounds like you've stuck to your values and mm. stuck to who you are and what you're focusing on, which um mm. will lead the right people to you that um that want to work with you and, and mm. such. So yeah. Oh great. I'd say that maybe would be if you was that part of the five careers that you've had, because this maybe yeah, is maybe number six. Maybe that's number <laughs> six. Maybe yeah. that's number six. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I, think that I think so. I think so. Yeah. So um we're getting um, close to the end of our time together. So I would love to ask you, what advice would you give to other women um, who are keen? Um, Well, there's so many things I could ask you, but I guess I would say in a broad stroke, what advice would you give to women who are keen to work in the sustainability field? Maybe we'll go with that. Um, Okay.
1: Well, first of all, I'd say no matter what you're already in, you could include sustainability in there whether or not you're an accountant uh you are in retail whatever because sustainability is becoming mainstreamed and i think we need people to embed sustainability right where they are so i think it's about looking to see how how could you be lowering carbon emissions what contributions could you be making to the sdgs right where you are Uh, yes you might need to do a course you know a little course or some of these things to broaden your knowledge Uh, education is absolutely vital here but don't think you have to jump ship entirely i think there's a huge amount of good and huge amount of change you can do right from where you are just by incorporating sustainability in what you're doing and then the second thing i'd say is uh you're never too old to change direction do not buy into i'm too old to shift uh, because you're not yes you need to be mindful of how long it might take you sometimes but do not be sold or do not listen to any internal gremlins that tell you you're too old or you're too this to change direction you I would, you know, then follow what you're interested in, and that I think is the Akiie model. Um, but you know, what do you what do you know? What are you good at? Uh, what do you love? What can you be paid for? And what does the world need and that intersect yes that's the book i've got on my bookshelf uh and you know that intersection between all four circles you know that's where it lies for you and seek it out and and go and talk to people go and you know talk to people find out what they're doing be curious about their paths and don't believe that it's all about applying for those job vacancies that you see it's actually about going and have those conversations and being clear on what you want and what you offer and that problem that need that you you could resolve and from that basis you will find that 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 job love it
0: all of it. Thank you. (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm giving you a virtual hug because I agree with absolutely everything that you said You get spot on and particularly, you know, you don't need to change jobs. Um, you know, every, every job, um, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, every role, every, every function should be a sustainability job. Um, Mm -hmm. as I'm putting that into quotes, but you know, there's, 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 you know, creativity and ways and opportunities within every role within every organization. So, um, and I like how you also shared that. Yeah. That, um, you know, the education portion of it, it you know because yeah you might need to go back and get some some additional education um you know that will give you that confidence also mm-hmm. you know to be able yeah. to speak to it so this is great mm-hmm. advice i really appreciate it and i think our listeners will um uh, really enjoy getting that there's a lot of value in what you've shared so uh, i think you're probably a really good coach in this <laughs> thing, <so. laughs> I'm, I'm gonna see. be calling you <laughs> so um so i'd just love to thank you so much for joining us today um, and sharing your journey, um, your multiple um, sort of um, uh, steps in your journey to get to where you are now um, and how our listeners could get involved in, in wins. And I should say it's just for the ladies and not for the man. So yeah, so <laughs> we do have some men listeners, not a lot, but uh, just in case the men are listening, hand, hand it over to the women. Um And i um, will certainly, as I said, I'll share um, social your social media contacts on our website, as well as links to the research and the books. Um, so um, listeners can take a look there and, and uh, find all of your details there. And certainly they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to do have some coaching or if they would like to be a win mem- WINS member or even start a hub. So thank you so much, Ryan, for your time. Thank really you. appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Darcy. It's been fantastic speaking with you. And uh, I really hope that, that your listeners enjoyed the conversation.
0: Great. Well, it's it's about us. I had a good time, so (laughs) I know. Thank you. I'm sure that they will. There's a lot, a lot of really good um, information in here, very valuable. Um, And I, what I like about this is that the conversation sort of spans all of um, the conversations I've had in the past. It, it, it's all kind of all encompassing um, and particularly because you're sort of SDG agnostic. So you're focusing mm-hmm. on, on all of them. Um, so I, I love that. So, um, and certainly um, love to thank our listeners for tuning into the Women's 17 Podcast, Conversations with Global Women, Changing the World, One Sustainable Development Goal at a Time. Uh, we welcome your feedback from today's podcast and wish you a happy, safe and productive day.